There is a universal lesson to be learned here. Don't count your soft landings before they actually stick. What is a perfect example, and one I'm going to keep coming back to time and time again, I think. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, earlier this year, he confidently forecast that Germany was going to avoid a recession. Slow down last year, achieving the soft landing this year, thanks to Christine Lagarde and the ECB. Only to find out, when he spoke those words back in January, Germany was already in recession. And worse, incoming data today suggests the worst is yet to come for Germany. It's still ahead of them. In recession already, and the major part of it, the worst part of it, looking forward the rest of this year and into next year. Soft landings are... There's something we always talk about, not just in Germany, not just in 2023, all the time and everywhere, but they rarely, if ever, actually occur. Let's go back to 2001. January of 2001, ABC News was writing, writing a story about the soft landing that many were hoping for in the wake of the dot-com bust and growing economic difficulties in the latter half of the year 2000. Alan Greenspan's Fed, the maestro, had just cut interest rates, and ABC News asked, Everyone hopes that Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan can successfully steer the economy to, to de a desired and elusive soft landing. So even then, 20-some years ago, they realized soft landings, we talk about them every time before a recession, but it always seems to turn out there is a recession. An economist, Alan Blinder, famous economist Alan Blinder, wrote a paper earlier this year which said soft landings are the holy grail of monetary policy. Conventional wisdom holds that they are nearly as elusive, something that central banks rarely achieve. And he wants to fix that by, as we'll see, changing the term soft landing itself to give the Fed more credit because they are that infrequent. They are exceptionally rare. We talk about soft landings more as a hope that economic weakness doesn't go too far. But as we see time and again, and as we're seeing again today, we're going to go over lots of data about this, it looks like the soft landing was again another one of those fantasies. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. And I want to send a huge thank you to Mr. Hugh Hendry himself. I just got back from his Acid Capitalist Summer Camp Retreat on his on the island. It's not his island. On the island of St. Bart's at his villa in St. Bart's, which was absolutely fantastic. Myself, George Gammon, Brent Johnson, Mr. Milkshake Man himself, a couple of very close friends. Special shout out to Kyle, to Brian, to Chris, to Shane and Tony and everyone else who attended. It was a fantastic time. And rumor has it that, that, that Hugh is going to have another one of these retreats maybe this year. And if he does, I'll certainly make sure to keep you posted. If you want to see a small part of that discussion, I posted that on YouTube just yesterday. The fuller discussion, a roundtable that we had amongst the four of us, that's going to be made available for Eurodollar University members. If you're a member of Eurodollar University, you could check that out at our webpage at the member site, eurodollar.university. So back to Alan Blinder. Alan Blinder was quite transparently trying to let the Fed off the hook for the lack of soft landings throughout the economic record. In fact, he, he changed the standard for evaluating the economy by 
incorporating a new one. Instead of just soft landing or hard landing, now we have soft-ish landings, as well as trying to, as he does in his analysis, giving the Fed credit for exogenous events, random bad luck in his view. He says, the conventional wisdom seems to be the Federal Reserve has managed to pull off only one soft landing in its history, the tightening cycle that began in February 94 and ended in February 95. But is that assessment correct? Surprise, you won't be surprised to learn. He believes that's not correct. This paper examines the historical record and includes that it is not. Prior to the tightening that began in 2022, the Federal Reserve has tightened monetary policy to combat, combat inflation 11 previous times since 1965, and I will argue that soft and soft-ish landings have been more common than is generally believed. If you change the standards, you could probably get the results that you want, right? It really, it's a, again, it's a transparent, he has to try to give the Fed more credit because it never happens. Forget about the Fed. Forget about rate hikes. What we're really talking about here is the frequency of recession when we get into a certain set of conditions. When we see the economy weakening, regardless of rate hikes or the Federal Reserve's policies, when we see something that Blinder doesn't mention once in this paper, it's a, it's, his paper is 20 pages long, 10,000 words, and guess what he doesn't say, doesn't write about once in that paper? I know you already know the answer to this. He doesn't mention the term yield curve at all. Inversion, forget it. Doesn't say that at all. So soft landing, hard landing, softish landing, he's tying them to rate height cycles because he doesn't like the Fed, has a bad reputation with them. When we don't care about the Fed and its rate hikes, we have the yield curve saying, inversion saying recession, and everyone talking about soft landing that regardless of your viewpoint, doesn't actually happen. And I'll give you one example from Blinder here, how desperate he is to change the record. He says, as I have argued, it might have been a perfect soft landing. This is 1989-90. If it were, were it not for the first Gulf War in 1990, the Greenspan Fed was trying for soft and they almost exceeded, succeeded, but bad luck intervened. Poor Greenspan. Not only does Blinder not mention the yield curve, he also doesn't mention the SNL crisis. So SNL crisis, banking crisis, difficulties, but it was Saddam Hussein who spoiled Alan Greenspan, Greenspan's plans. No, it's, it's all a distraction to take away from the fact that we don't actually have soft landings. And we don't need invasions in Kuwait or wars in the Middle East to achieve recessions. They happen on their own as Olaf Scholz of Germany find, is finding out the hard way. When the economy gets itself in a weakened state and the markets can tell the economy is in a weakened state, the markets give us a probability distribution which tells us with very, not full precision, but with a high degree of confidence that soft landing isn't going to happen. And what we've had this year, of course, building upon the German example is economic worries that spilled over into last year that to some degree were abated in the early part of this year. When we got in the United States, the January payroll report, we got retail sales, a hot CPI, all that stuff that suggested the economy wasn't just resilient, it was rebounding after last year. And then of course we had the banking crisis and everybody started talking about recession again. And then after the banking crisis didn't appear to produce the immediate, uh, immediate damage to the economy, immediate recession, uh, an unambiguous recession, 
everybody's now back on the soft land again. So data goes back and forth and the narrative shifts with however it looks at that particular point in time. When overall, as the markets continue to price, we're heading in the direction not of a soft landing, but of recession. And the data that came in just yesterday from S&P Global, yeah, we're going to see the narrative begin to shift back in that direction too. So the narrative is going to go back and forth as some of the short, high-frequency, short-term uh, statistics move back and forth in one direction or another. But overall, you can sense where we're going. The trend remains toward contraction, not just in Germany or Europe or the United States. We're talking about China a lot. Everywhere around the world, globally synchronized. So S&P Global, we got PMIs that were pretty concerning as you could see as you saw in the uh, bond market of course the yields have been rising throughout august suddenly they turned around and went down sharply because if the if the statistics that are being point, put out by these pmis are anywhere close to accurate that potential rebound that everyone was was uh, hoping for to get us into the soft landing after last year's downturn a little bit of a rebound keeping us out of recession for a variety of reasons, China reopening, Europe were surviving last year. We've talked about them all. If that rebound was just a dead cat bounce and now we're starting to head back and roll over again this summer, the rest of this year looks increasingly bleak. It looks, like, looks a lot less like soft landings. The U.S. PMIs, manufacturing PMI in the U.S., fell to 47 from 49. Not a good number there. New orders falling. All that stuff that we've been familiar with. The inventory cycle continues to hit manufacturers all over the world, not just in the United States, but the United States too. Uh, the big one, the, the recurring theme in this month's PMIs for August is going to be services, however, because in particular S&P Global's number, numbers had services rebounding relatively sharply in that in, in that earlier part of the year when everybody thought the economy was resilient, and if not too resilient and strong. But services, those have rolled over relatively sharply since around April and May. And the U.S. services PMI was no different. According to S&P Global, that's down to 51 from 52.3%. In July, 51 is not a good number for services. That's consistent with recession already, as is the composite from S&P Global, which hit 50.4 down from 52 previously. And here's what the here's what S&P Global had to set up, had to say about its PMI results. Softer demand conditions were evidenced by the first decrease in new orders at U.S. firms since February. That's both services and manufacturers. Manufacturers faced greater challenges driving demand as new orders fell at a quicker pace, while service providers saw the fastest drop in new business since the start of the year. Muted demand from key export markets, especially Europe, led to a renewed decrease in new export orders in August. Global trade recession impacting even the U.S. economy. They continue, August data indicated only a fractional rise in employment. Although extending the current sequence of job creation that started to just over just over three years ago, the pace of increase was the slowest over this period. Where growth in workforce numbers was noted, companies linked, to the, linked this to efforts to expand capacity. Nonetheless, weak demand and lower new orders resulted in job shedding at some firms with mounting wage costs compounding decisions to cut staff. No surprise there. Again, it may seem like it's, take, it's, it's moving along at a snail's pace, 
in this first uh, phase of the recession, but we're moving in that direction. Companies are forced to deal with weak external conditions that they can only meet by taking the hit to their bottom line, maintaining employee, hoarding workers as a lot of them are doing, or increasingly decide they're not gonna hoard workers and eventually leads to the mass layoffs. That's, that's the recession part that we're all entirely too familiar with. It looks like a soft landing through the initial stage and then all of a sudden it's as if the bottom falls out. But the bottom doesn't just fall out you could actually see it coming time and time again, which is why Mr. Blinder was so, so, so in a rush to get the Fed off the hook. It is much worse over in Europe, at least according to S&P Global, not just S&P Global, a whole lot of other data too. But S&P Global's figures, they're, we gotta hope that they're wrong. There's not a good representation. I think it's a good representation of the statistics that could have come out thus far, but yeah, we have to hope that this is not the case. Manufacturing actually improved in August, according to these numbers, 43.7 from 42.7, but there that isn't really an improvement. 43.7 or 42.7, that's a serious contraction at a recession pace. Again, same reasons we're seeing around the rest of the world. Again, it's services. Services PMI, 48.3 down from 50.9. And according to S&P Global, that 48.3, that's a 30-month low, even lower than we had been late last year and earlier this year. And this is for in all of Europe. Therefore, the composite PMI, we've got the low manufacturing, sinking services, the composite PMI from Europe, 47.0 down from 48.6. That's a 33-month low. And remember, the services numbers were were rebounding relatively sharply just a few months ago. They've rolled over and sank that quickly to drop to an almost three-year low, consistent with 2020 levels or the recession in 2012 or the recession, which wasn't really a recession, in 2008, 2009. So we went on a roller coaster. The early late part of last year, it looked like the European economy was in deep trouble. Then it started to come out of the roller, it's come out of the recession, making Olaf Scholz happy, declaring a soft landing, only to go right back down again and be even worse. This is what S&P Global had to say about Europe. Eurozone business activity contracted at an accelerating pace in August as the region's downturn spread further from manufacturing to services, as it usually happens. Talked about that in the previous video. Both sectors reported falling output in new orders, albeit with goods producing sector registering by far the sharper rates of decline. Hiring came close to stalling as companies grew more reluctant to expand capacity in the face of deteriorating demand and gloomier prospects for the year ahead, the latter sliding to the lowest seen so far this year. To finish this off, let's go back to Germany because out of anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world except for maybe China, Germany is really struggling here. Olaf Scholz's proclamation back in January looks worse and worse all the time. And I don't mean to pick on Scholz because he does what Paul he's just he was just doing what politicians always do, what economists always do when they talk about these soft landing scenarios. And he got likely got this forecast from his economist who told him to to expect one. As I said, he was in that part of the roller coaster after the initial dive where the European and German economy seemed like it might come back up, but now rolled over and into even worse levels than before when he was speaking. 
The manufacturing PMI for the month of August in Germany, again, an improvement, which was an improvement, going from 38.8 to 39.1, not an improvement at all. That's sharp recession in manufacturing, in large part because of the global trade recession that we've talked about many, many times. But services, services in Germany, services were going to lead the recovery out of the earlier recession or, or get Germany to avoid the recession entirely. But the services PMI in August, down five points from 52.3 to 47.3, just a really low number there. You can see why markets reacted to these. The composite in Germany for August, 44.7. That's not just solidly recessionary, that's pointing toward deeper recession. As S&P Global says, as has been the case in each month since May, the latest survey data showed a reduction in total inflows of new business across the private sector in August. The decline continued to be led by plummeting manufacturing new orders with a combination of customer destocking and investment reticence, driving the sharpest decline in demand for goods since May, 2020. Global trade recession, which is one reason why we focus on Germany. No soft landing, in fact, quite the opposite, which is a universal lesson that we all need to heed here. Despite the fact that we talk about a soft landing in every business cycle, and despite Alan Blinder's transparent efforts to get the Fed off the hook for the lack of success, it doesn't matter. Don't count your soft landings before they actually stick. If you want to see that clip from that roundtable discussion between myself, George Gammon, Brent Johnson, and Hugh Hendry at Hughes Acid Capitalist Summer Camp Retreat, check out the video at the link below. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers and our Eurodollar University members. And until next time, everyone take care.